You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze the various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, distributed ledger technologies, and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the healthcare industry and how blockchain technology can find innovative solutions to several problems that are plaguing the healthcare space. Healthcare industry can be imagined as a very vast ecosystem, which includes several different stakeholders like healthcare service providers, insurance companies, pharmaceutical companies, research institutions, drug suppliers and many others. As of today, the industry faces several challenges around management of patient health records, consumer privacy, tracking of drugs or even just the staggering cost of medical and healthcare services in many different parts of the world. So we're going to be looking at some of the key areas in the healthcare ecosystem where major problems currently exist. We are also going to look at some of the various projects that are using blockchain technology to solve some of these problems and we will also discuss some of the shortcomings and challenges of the technology to separate hype from reality. So Nikhil can you start off with an introduction into what the healthcare ecosystem looks like from the top view and what are some of the key areas where blockchain technology can make a difference? Sure okay okay so uh just to back up a little bit uh, let's let's define a few terms uh, which are common in the healthcare ecosystem right so first of all let's see what a healthcare system is so a healthcare system can be looked at as an organization of people institutions and resources that deliver healthcare services to meet the needs of a any target population this is typically uh, at you know the nation state level uh but you also have institutions like the who which is uh for the whole world right so uh within the healthcare system you have uh, f- uh several uh, actors right you have different types of people so first one is obviously the patients who are the individual people who receive the care so uh patients receive medical care and they receive this medical care from providers healthcare service providers are institutions or individuals providing healthcare services so these can be uh, individuals including health professionals uh, can be self employed or working in as an employee in a hospital or clinic or other healthcare institution so typically this is what we call the doctor right the doctor or the nurse these are all healthcare professionals uh um, the healthcare institutions can be hospitals clinics uh, your own private uh, um, you know uh, consulting uh, practice uh, can be government operated uh, can be private for profit or private not for profit so you have doctors without borders those would be a typical non profit but they are a service provider and then finally the third piece and third actor in this particular piece is the payer or the insurance company a payer is an organization typically it's an insurance company that takes care of the financial or operational aspects which include insurance plans provider network of providing all the things that you require for providing this healthcare right and uh, uh, you have different types of uh, organizations in that different nation states have different types you have national healthcare nationalized healthcare you have private healthcare you have 
single party insurance multiple party insurance etc right uh, so they are the payers and then uh, finally we have uh, vendors vendors basically provide services and products uh, which they sell to providers so these are the you know uh, Siemens Bosch these are the people who provide the uh, electronic medical record systems the uh, the uh, you know the uh, machines the x-ray machines all of these basically provide they, they they provide the medical devices and the medical systems uh, uh, that actually are used by the providers to uh, provide healthcare to the patient right so as you can see that you know we have multiple particular uh, pieces to this now this is just the healthcare uh, you know direct healthcare provision right in addition you have healthcare research uh, which is the multidisciplinary field of scientific investigation that studies how uh, you know uh, social financing systems organizational health technology and personal behavior affect access to healthcare so there is healthcare research into health there's research into healthcare and optimizing in healthcare itself then you have the uh, uh, the regulatory bodies around us this is essentially uh, usually it's either a government organization uh, like the national nhs in uk and uh, in india it would be the health ministry etc uh, so uh, these basically would be the responsible for creating policy around healthcare so uh, typical one would be the hipaa policy for uh, the us right uh, or the pipa pol policy for uh, uh, South Korea maybe um, so so that's that's another that's another part of it uh, then finally you have the uh, uh, specialized part around drugs right so uh, the uh, creation of uh, the the management and creation and management and uh, delivery of drugs so you have on one side the uh, you know the drug companies that uh, create these drugs uh, they do the clinical trials for these drugs they uh, get certified by the regulatory body which is like the FDA and then finally you have the pharmacies that are uh, delivering the drugs right uh, one of the major areas where you know uh, in at least in the drug side is the uh, if you as a link back to our previous episode in the supply chain the drug supply chain is again a great place or a uh, very uh, active area where blockchain is uh, being considered uh, especially since you have this idea of serialization uh, which is basically the uh, idea of uh, tracking and tracing the passage of the prescription drugs through the entire supply chain right they could uh, the idea serialization could potentially identify every product by a unique serial number in addition to the origin shelf life batch number for that product right and uh, this this would basically help uh, a large uh, to a large extent in the rampant counterfeiting of drugs and you know the massive loss loss of life especially in developing countries like africa and india and china where counterfeiting of drugs is a big problem okay and another phase a new thing that has come out uh, actually it's relatively uh, recent i guess uh, is the idea of uh, you know uh, uh, wellness and in uh, uh, the idea of health and wellness and fitness uh, amongst the population uh, 
this is a relatively a new entrant because traditionally in healthcare, uh, the idea was that you'd go to a doctor and uh, they would find out what's wrong with you if, if you are sick and then they try to cure you. But now with the advent of so many chronic diseases and uh, lifestyle conditions, uh, uh, wellness is definitely becoming a major factor, especially from the perspective of the payers who have to pay for uh, you know, uh, the cost of uh, uh, chronic disease uh, and the uh, risks, uh, enhanced risks associated with chronic disease. So uh, there's a, there has been a lot of uh, innovation around uh, how do we uh, motivate and keep uh, people uh, healthy and well and uh, improve quality of life for people who have chronic diseases. Great. So I think that really covers very well the uh, basics of what the healthcare ecosystem looks like and, you know, who the key entities are and, you know, how, how uh, you know, these different players like the regulatory bodies and these uh, companies, you know, that are uh, supplying the drugs to the testing uh, facilities, to the research institutions, how they all sort of fit in together, right? So uh, with that, I'll just uh, quickly go into some of the basic use cases you know where we think that blockchain can actually make a difference in this entire ecosystem so the first use case that i'll start off with is uh, that of uh, maintaining the medical records in a tamper proof uh, sort of database so that's what you know the blockchain as such is known for so like many other industries uh, it is seen as one of the uh, ways in which uh, data can be stored in a tamper proof manner and where fraud can be reduced the second uh, use case is that of consent management. So this is basically about giving the consumer or the patient in this case uh, more control over their own data. So they'll have greater ownership of their data uh, over a distributed ecosystem. And so they, they can basically decide, you know, uh, how to share it or which provider to share it with. Uh, or, you know, the, they basically have more control of, of their own data. The third is about uh, micropayments or reward structures uh, around, you know, clinical trials or some sort of testing. So like we just mentioned, if you give greater control of data to the uh, patient himself, uh, you give them the flexibility to decide, you know, if they want to sell their data to a specific entity for a certain price, you know, if, if they want to sell their medical data for some sort of a research or for some clinical trial. So uh, it sort of uh, adds as a, as, a, as a way in which they can earn money for it as well. Uh, the fourth, obviously, is, you know, the friction-free payments and settlements, you know, within the healthcare, healthcare ecosystem. Like uh, Nikhil mentioned, there are so, so many different moving parts and so many different uh, uh, entities trying to work together in this ecosystem. So, uh, you know, when you go to the enterprise side of uh, the various solution providers, uh, you can have these different platforms, you know, which connect these different stakeholders together, put their transactions on the blockchain or automate the payments and basically streamline a lot of processes and reduce the bureaucracy. Interestingly, uh, actually, this is one of the major uh, reasons, uh, according to a lot of uh, people, uh, why the U.S. Is, such a, uh, is considered to have such a high cost of healthcare. Uh, a major portion of it uh, seems to be, you know, in uh, meeting the uh, requirements of uh, privacy and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, the electronic uh, security, uh, security of electronic records that are required by HIPAA. 
which is the one of the main uh, uh, healthcare uh, laws that uh, have been implemented in the US and uh, you know uh, there's 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 a lot of as we will see that there there are several blockchains that are and enterprise blockchains as well as uh, non enterprise blockchains that are trying to actually tackle this particular problem um, of uh, addressing regulatory compliance uh, in healthcare using blockchains right right that's that's a great point and in my personal view i think that would be the the most important use case if you could bring the costs in the healthcare ecosystem down that would be uh, you know one of the most valuable things that any technology can add in the space right now because i mean if you just look at it from an economic perspective uh, us as a country uh, the the national debt is you know well above 20 trillion dollars as of today and a big chunk of that is actually you know it it comprises of healthcare costs so if if something could you know really streamline that and you know bring that down and reduce the cost that that would be a you know a very important <laughs> problem solved right right great so i think with that i'll i'll probably just uh, move on to some of the actual projects or different platforms you know that that are working in this space and that are actually trying to solve some of these problems that we just discussed so the first one that i'll start off with is called mediblock so as of today you know if if you go from one healthcare provider to another uh, most likely you are made to fill out all kinds of paperwork you know regarding your past medical history any allergies etc this happens because patients healthcare data is generally in data silos you know as of today so where you know one ecosystem basically cannot access the patient's records from another ecosystem you know based on rules and regulations around uh, sharing of medical data so mediblock is a decentralized healthcare information ecosystem built on the qtum platform and for our listeners who don't know what qtum is uh, qtum is a smart contracts platform uh, smart contracts and dapps platform just like ethereum uh, and mediblock actually started off using the qtum blockchain sometime in 2017 uh, and sometime around 2018 i believe they uh, launched a token on ethereum as well and uh, so they they are presently there on two blockchains so both the qtum as well as ethereum and it's also sort of uh, known in public that you know they they plan to launch their own blockchain in the future so they'll basically you know move both from uh, qtum as well as ethereum to their own blockchain uh, so mediblock as a platform it's it's meant to be used by patients and medical service providers researchers and you know all, all these different entities together in the in the healthcare ecosystem and the platform basically allows you to record information such as uh, let's say your doctor visits or your treatments your record updates and all all of that information so it basically allows you to maintain your entire medical history and also you know for you as the consumer or you as the patient it allows you to price your data accordingly you know you you yourself can price uh, your data and you can decide uh, who and when to share it with so for example you know if you want to share a certain segment of your medical records uh, you yourself can set the price as to how much a service provider needs to pay in order to get those records from you through the uh, through the mediblock blockchain so uh, the key idea here is that you know with this ecosystem uh you are able to facilitate redistribution of data ownership that is basically the patient owns his or her data a lot more than external agencies you know compared to uh, what the system is today uh and the patient is able to sell his or her data to various stakeholders in the ecosystem and 
uh, you as the patient, you know, you're you're able to automate the exchange of real-time information among these different service providers through smart contracts. So uh, basically, you know, like we mentioned earlier, that that allows for better interoperability uh, within this entire medical ecosystem. So uh, just a quick uh, thought over there. So uh, essentially, now your the medic MediBlock ecosystem is actually looking at the patient record, right? So here, what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh, fill out uh, your your electronic health record in 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 terms of the U.S. thing. It would be known as the EHR, correct? So. Uh, so here, one thing that confuses me is that, you know, when you say that uh, you can set a price as to how much a service provider needs to pay in order to get those records, doesn't that actually mean, isn't that actually the other way around? Shouldn't the patient be paying or allowing a doctor to access his electronic health record because he wants the doctor to have a idea of what his medical history is like in order to provide a better service? Right. I, I believe this would mostly come in terms of, you know, providing your data. And, and again, like I'm not entirely sure as to, you know, how the system, you know, works uh, at, at, you know, at, at the root level, you know, where what kind of data you're able to sell to whom. But my guess would be that, you know, a bunch of this data would primarily be for research based, uh, you know, purposes. So like, let's say you want to provide your, uh, you know, your, your uh, uh, past medical history or you know even your let's say you have certain allergies and the kind of medications you have taken all of that if you provide it for research purpose and you know if it gives you monetary compensation in return i think i think that's what primarily would be you know the purpose of uh, allowing for better control of you know being able to sell your data right right no no so uh, so that that makes a lot of sense so uh uh, the uh, so the the primary audience would be drug providers or people who are creating drugs um, uh, for designing drugs or something for clinical trials etc or the uh, the other op, uh, one would be you know like where uh, maybe payers or insurance companies uh, uh, they kind of offer discounts uh, in order right. saying that if you let us access your uh, entire medical history we will give you a uh, certain percentage uh, off that's basically from the insurance providers or rather the payers perspective if they have access to the history they have a better idea of what can be the uh, risk associated to this particular patient whereas from the patient's perspective uh, you know, uh, if he has a good medical history and he offers it he might get he will get a better uh, deal right 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 i would think so too uh so I'll, I'll just quickly touch upon also you know what their architecture is like so the mediblock ecosystem it's supposed to be like made of three layers so first they have the mediblock core layer which is actually the lowermost layer where the data is stored so this layer is actually a combination of storage on the blockchain plus external storage over some sort of a database or a, or a distributed storage network. And this is primarily because the amount of medical data to be stored is so vast. I'm guessing that's probably the reason why, why the entire data is actually not being stored on the blockchain. Uh, Nikhil, do you want to add any insight into you know why, why that would be so? Absolutely, you are right that uh, you know it costs a lot of money to store uh, data on a public blockchain, uh, especially since... Uh, you know that uh, that it has to be replicated everywhere. Uh, 
and uh, another thing also is that you know there is this perception that a public blockchain well all your data is public right and uh, that would violate a lot of the privacy requirements of such a thing right so i mean you have uh, you so so uh, there there could be two possibilities one is basically uh, there is a uh, combination of uh, the data being stored in a in a distributed database like ipfs in an encrypted form uh, and and you know or it is stored with medic block itself as a in their personal database but uh, in some sort of uh, uh, a, a, you know uh, with a, with a, with the proof that that this particular data a hash of this particular data being stored on a public blockchain to prove that it's not been tampered with so so the uh, idea here would be that uh, uh, there would be uh, yeah, suppose we take an ehr as a data structure right your electronic health record the record itself and the details of the record might have you know images of x rays mri scans or whatever right and that's 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 a lot of data and that would basically be stored privately but pointers to that particular data and uh, perhaps proof that that particular data is valid and not uh, tampered with would be stored on the blo- public blockchain associated to uh, a particular set of tokens or uh, you know uh, with that particular thing that you could you could uh, uh, sell that uh, in, in it would be sold in such a way that you would be able to sell that proof and then uh, once you sell that you get access to the actual data inside right so that may that makes sense as to you know why why the entire data they would not put on the blockchain so uh, the second layer that they call is the mediblock services layer and this is the layer where the basically the first level of intelligence is you know where smart contracts are executed and data is indexed etc uh, and the third layer is called the mediblock application layer uh, and this is the topmost layer uh, which consists of various kinds of consumer facing apps uh, you know to access and manage the information so the application layer directly communicates with the services layer or you know where the smart contracts are and those are basically used to read and write data you know onto the blockchain or or onto the database so uh, this is sort of the rough architecture of what the mediblock uh, platform looks like and uh, any such platform you know like which is basically trying to uh, manage the entire healthcare record of a patient and you know try to connect it with different uh, entities in the eco- in the Uh, healthcare ecosystem they are all trying to be fully compliant with hipaa uh, as you mentioned earlier so hipaa stands for uh, health insurance portability and accountability act uh, do you want to quickly touch on that sure little? i think i think hipaa would be kind of key to this conversation so let's let's spend spend a couple of minutes on what what is hipaa right so as you very correctly pointed out it is the health insurance portability and accountability act uh, it was enacted in uh, 96 by clinton so it was signed by president bill clinton uh, there are essentially five titles uh, uh, to it there are five parts to it mostly around you know uh, uh, tax and uh, the port uh, the who owns who owns the data and all but the interesting uh, title is title 2 that is a section 2 of hipaa which establishes policies and procedures for maintaining privacy and security of individually identifiable health information and outlines numerous offenses relating to healthcare and establish civil and criminal penalties for violations 
Now, the HIPAA privacy rules is com uh, comprised of uh, national regulations for the use and disclosure, disclosure of protected health information. So, uh, in healthcare treatment, payment and operations uh, by by the people what, what are referred to as the covered entities. The covered entities essentially are the people who have access to this protected healthcare information. And uh, the privacy rule basically talks about how they should handle it, right? So, for example, the privacy rule requires medical providers to give individuals access to their PHI, right? So, at any point, you can uh, request your information in writing. Uh, you know, you can use the provider's form and the provider has 30 days to provide you a copy of the information, right? So, if you go to a doctor and say, okay, I want all my uh, to your regular doctor and say I want my information they have to provide it to you now uh, the but the interesting thing comes after uh, in the nuances of this so uh, according to the uh, HIPAA hospitals or uh, uh, will not reveal information over the phone to relatives of admitted patients so you cannot go and call a hospital and uh, try to find out you know if your uh, relative is uh, admitted right they will not be able to tell it to you uh, this is to pro protect the privacy of the patient and uh, prevent uh, them their, their medical condition being revealed another thing is that if you're uh, uh, you have a certain uh, freedom so the covered entities basically have certain uh, uh, things around uh, uh, communicating uh, protected information uh, to law enforcement, to emergency services for in the interests of protecting the rights of the individual if he is not in a position to uh, exercise his individual rights, right? Uh, and also if it is a uh, societal, uh, a case of societal problems, right? But so so all the uh, overall basically HIPAA was intended to make the healthcare system in the United States more efficient by standardizing healthcare standard at transactions. So this is the third part of it, uh, where <coughs> under HIPAA, HIPAA covered health pay, uh, health plans are required to use a standard HIPAA electronic transaction. Uh, so it is known as a HIPAA EDI, right? Uh, electronic data inter interchange format right and uh, there are de several uh, uh, iterations of this uh, uh, you know a popular one is something called HL7 uh, which is an XML format uh, and uh, the main problem with this essentially is that it outlines all the it, it outlines the policy and outlines the violations and all but uh, the complexity of the act itself, in, especially when it comes to situations around privacy, right? So, for example, suppose there was there was a, 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 there's a plane crash, right? And uh, a, a, the your uh, <coughs> uh, the individuals in the plane crash, basically the survivors, basically are sent to hospitals. Now, it is very difficult for relatives of those people. To find out about their loved ones whether they are even alive or whether they are where are they in, are they in a hospital because of the privacy rule right because they're not allowed to now 
there is actually that clause and uh, like i mentioned earlier that uh, for in in the case of general society uh, emergency the thing you can release the information but there is ambiguity about that right so the, there is a the thing around that now uh, the other interesting part of this is when you talk about the electronic transactions and the edi right this is where i think blockchains basically become interesting because uh, what are the one of the problems essentially is that up till now you whenever you entered a provider you you went to a provider uh, and uh, you know you go to a hospital they fill out the form and you enter all your information and uh, they put it it goes into their database there's no way for them to basically uh, move that into there is no central ledger or federal ledger or any kind of ledger uh, essentially again because of the security uh, uh, what do you call it, requirements around it right uh so the who the question would be the you know who maintains that central ledger who pays for it federal government definitely doesn't have the budget for that and all that so uh and uh, so so this because of that uh, and just to address that particular situation i think blockchains become a great idea because everybody all of these healthcare providers are maintaining their own systems anyway right so they could create nodes and uh participate in this network right and essentially the overhead is only in the communication of that particular data to their closest peers they don't have to worry about uh uh you know that information uh, about maintaining a large database on all on their own everybody is actually uh, democratizing this cost right and uh, the network as a whole benefits so i think this this is this is uh, one of the way areas where i think uh, blockchains can really help and uh, you know then there's the whole cryptography aspect of it the immutability aspect of it all of these basically really complement a lot of the requirements of hipaa regulation right so to sum up the whole thing uh, so like like you mentioned blockchains can actually solve certain problems in this uh, you know hipaa act and you know it can it can actually facilitate a better implementation of you know what is currently being done to sum it up would you say it's a, a, as a blockchain platform you know as a whole do you think it's easy for the for a platform of this sort to be hipaa compliant or is it difficult so on the whole see the the problem with hipaa compliance is not the technical compliance per se it's more about the acceptance by the policy makers right so at the end of the day hipaa is a government regulation right so you need to actually get the uh, uh, you know national health services uh uh to to kind of uh, go and look at your system and and accept it and certify it right and they themselves are also handicapped in the sense that you know uh, they also need to get educated about what is blockchain and how how it is different and how it is different and i think that's that's a process so at the end of the day yeah i i feel i again it's an opinion i feel that uh, blockchains definitely have a role to play uh but one of the challenges that uh, like we mentioned earlier with the the challenge that uh, uh q the uh, uh, mediblock platform was facing is that the sheer amount of information that is available right so 
at the end of the day if you want to do it on a public blockchain uh, it becomes very difficult and very expensive and uh, also there are pr- the the concerns around the transparency of the data right so uh, you would need to actually set up some kind of uh, hybrid system where some of the data is located in some places and the other data is located in other places and then you have this whole uh, system on top of it and that complexity is where i think uh, you know we are working through that and we're trying to uh, figure out what is the best way to implement that great so moving on uh, the second project that i just want to quickly touch upon it's called patientary uh, spelled as p a t i e n t o r y uh, and it is also an erc20 token and it goes by the short form p t o y Uh, and the project is known to have raised substantial amount of funding in 2017 they raised about 7.2 million dollars uh, and at the outset they it, the project looks pretty similar to the mediblock project you know that is it is basically a pr- platform to uh, store uh, the patient's medical data and it is supposed to give the patient greater ownership of the data uh and just like the medic block project you know even even here uh, the actual data itself is not stored onto the blockchain rather it is stored onto some sort of a p2p network so in this case people provide storage for the medical data by renting out storage space from their computers which they run as nodes for the network so the token system basically regulates the amount of storage that is being utilized from each node so when this entire data is integrated with the blockchain it is encrypted and sharded to be put onto the network so effectively the patientry network acts like a middle layer to you know sort of read and write data from the distributed storage network of data so that's very interesting kk so this is actually so medibla uh, so patientry basically addresses one of the major points that i had uh, made regarding uh, difficulty of uh, you know implementing uh, ehr on uh, blockchain which is essentially this quantum of data right so what i think these guys are doing is they are basically turning it around and putting it on the uh, participants in the network itself and saying that okay we will spread out all the data amongst all the nodes and uh, you know sharding essentially is a way of breaking up the uh, individual uh, the whole whole amount of data into individual pieces and then sending it out so there's multiple copies of the data in multiple places and uh, i think that 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 kind of uh, means that you know that this is kind of like a growing uh, uh, network so as as an as as patientry becomes larger and larger they will have larger and larger amounts of storage uh, to provide uh, for all this ehr data great so uh like mediblock patientry also looks to be hipaa compliant in terms of storing the medical data of the customers and the kind of data you can include into the patientry ecosystem is from multiple sources right so that includes the health and fitness apps that you use and you know that that track your physical activity uh, or the data from your healthcare providers or even other sources right so it basically aggregates all of this data together onto the platform So the patientry app is really meant to be a consumer facing app which gives a person comprehensive control over their health and fitness data. And in terms of features, the app would basically allow the users to buy more space to store their medical data using the PTOY tokens. Uh and you know it would be used for making their hospital payments or you know even many other types of payments. So so that's pretty much how the patientry app would function. 
So uh, moving on, uh, let's let's look into some of the projects in the healthcare space. You know that are trying to solve some very specific problems. So uh, for example, you have certain other projects. You know in this ecosystem that are trying to put DNA sequencing on the blockchain. So the third project that I'm going to talk about, it's called uh, Nebula Genomics, which basically allows people to provide their saliva samples anonymously or pseudo anonymously, and this is then used for genome sequencing and genetic testing. Uh, and the projects uh, they said to have raised about 4.3 million dollars in seed funds uh, sometime in the middle of 2018. Uh, so with Nebula Genomics, the key aspect of blockchain technology is that you can get the entire genetic testing done anonymously without having to share your name, address, credit card number, or any other form of identity. So as of today, there's something called data de-identification that is done. Uh, that is. if someone is submitting their genetic sample such as their saliva for some sort of testing before this data is passed on to any researchers or you know or any anywhere down the value chain the data is actually deidentified from the identity of the person who is submitting the sample and this is mostly for privacy reasons so with a system like that of nebula genomics your data is anonymous to begin with so that actually takes out the need for any sort of data deidentification down the value chain so that basically makes you know the system more efficient and saves money for the company that is doing the genetic testing and from the consumer's perspective how this remains anonymous is that all your transactions that you perform are done using a cryptocurrency and in order to collect your saliva samples through the nebula genomics ecosystem uh the company basically sends you their testing kit in an anonymous uh, us postal services po box so that way they never come to know your address or identity and you simply collect the testing kit from this po box using the token of nebula genomics so in the larger picture how this leads to the greater good is that once you have all of this anonymous genomic data from thousands or hundreds of thousands of people You can sell this data to various pharmaceutical companies who can use this data to develop new medicines for all kinds of genetic disorders. Uh one such example is that of a partnership that Nebula Genomics went into earlier this year with a pharmaceutical company called EMD Serono which is a part of Merck KGAA which also happens to be the world's oldest operating pharmaceutical company. So this is just one such example of a pharmaceutical company being able to purchase this large pool of anonymous genetic data to use it to develop new medicines uh and before i move on i'll just quickly mention another project uh, the fourth one is encryption and uh, it is another company which is doing work which is very similar to nebula genomics and uh, so it's basically another data platform like nebula which is trying to be a marketplace for buying and selling genetic data in a deidentified anonymous manner So encryption basically looks to be a competitor to some of the regular real world genetic testing companies like uh, 23andme and ancestry.com. So how encryption's DNA marketplace works is that it allows regular users to upload their genetic data in the same format as what it is as what is produced, you know, by some of these companies like 23andme or ancestry and they set a price on their genetic data in a free market. So moving on from genomics uh another project that I just want to quickly touch upon is uh, it's called Simply Vital Health and uh, Simply Vital Health had raised money to develop a platform called Connecting Care uh 
so connecting care is also a hipaa compliant blockchain platform like some of the earlier mentioned ones you know which basically the platform collects data from different entities and you know it it, it integrates all of that to, uh, data together and makes it more efficient and easy to share this data in this ecosystem uh the difference here is that as a as a business use case they are focusing primarily on post acute care or pac so for our listeners who don't know what pac is post acute care basically refers to any time a patient is admitted in a hospital for some sort of short term or long term care so simply vital health connecting care platform helps track their entire post acute care journey and make the data available to various uh, care service providers so effectively this allows these care service providers to better predict the cost of care you know for for a specific patient so they they would have their entire history uh, through this platform so that that's sort of the business focus you know uh, for simply vital health as you know they they primarily focus on the post acute care part of it uh, and uh, just one thing i'll quickly mention since this was in the news recently so they they recently settled a lawsuit uh, by the sec for 6.3 million dollars and again like like many other lawsuits that have happened in this space this was also for uh, conducting an unauthorized uh, initial coin offering in 2018 so the company basically settled the allegations you know by by paying the penalty not that they admitted any wrongdoing rather they just paid the penalty to settle the allegations so i just thought i'll mention that you know since it was in the news somewhat recently so that sort of covers some of the projects uh, that are sort of trying to solve certain problems in this ecosystem uh, and they they are mostly uh, one can say patient centric as in uh, they deal with you know how the healthcare service providers can solve problems in a better way for the patient uh but also there are some other projects you know which which can help make this system more smooth and more efficient by by solving you know the by by reducing the friction between in the data sharing among the different stakeholders in the whole healthcare ecosystem so there are some other projects in this space which look at this from a business to business perspective uh nikhil do you want to touch upon those projects sure so uh, like you mentioned kk um, uh given the complexity of regulations there is a lot of opportunity in terms of uh, improving the efficiency of the healthcare system itself right so one of the big ones here is uh, a company called hashed health right they are looking to be an enterprise solutions company for the healthcare industry right they were one of the early ones to uh, start uh, looking at blockchain and dlt uh, distributed ledger technologies and uh, they've they've created uh, several different uh, products to address different problems so i'm going to cover a couple that i found a little interesting uh, so one example is this product that they've called uh, procredex uh, which is a product to exchange credentials in a fast and efficient way amongst organization so credentialing is a complicated but rarely discussed problem for doctors health systems and health plans when a doctor wants to start a new job or enter a new payers network right payer being the health insurance provider the prospective hirer or whoever is hiring them needs to gather a wide variety of certificates credentials background uh, you know uh, background verification etc and that's a process that takes up a lot of time effort and can take uh, months or even up to a year right so how can we actually improve this so if you example have a nurse a physician or another employee joining your organization procredex would make it easier to request their credentials from the previous organization 
right? This basically allows for a system where credentials of all the various employees in all the various uh, healthcare organizations are shared on a common ledger and which can be requested by an organization at the time of hitting, uh, hiring them. It saves time and money in verifying the credentials of a person at the time of hire. So overall, uh, maybe they, they would be, it would be, uh, uh, you know, uh, the participants would be uh, the government, the various state governments who are doing the licensing uh, as well as the academic uh, institutions are providing the uh, credentials, etc. And uh, uh, the idea is that you would reduce the amount of time it would take to make sure that whoever is getting into your system is not, is his who they, who they say they are and have the appropriate credentials. Now, another product which HashTelth have looked at is uh, something called Bramble uh, and basically creates a marketplace on the blockchain to buy and health, sell healthcare services by various service providers. So it's a decentralized uh, marketplace where service providers can provide their services at a certain price and people can purchase them in an open market, right? So this is kind of like an alternate uh, to kind of your traditional insurance based thing here what, what what you traditionally do is you go and you sign up for an insurance plan and you have people who are in your uh, network and who are not in your network and the service providers uh, basically who have relationships can so so it's it's more dictated by that by the contracts between the insurance providers and the services uh, rather than what the patients can directly get. So here what, what you're doing out here is that you're basically making the service providers or having the service providers directly compete with on an open market for patients, right? So there's a, there would be a reputation system and uh, so uh, people can then go uh, and directly uh, deal with the service provider. Uh, so that's the sort of idea behind it. This is a kind of more uh, radical uh, idea. And uh, so yeah, so that's 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 Health. Uh, there are they have a few other projects as well, uh, products as well. Just thought I'll just touch on a couple that I found interesting. Another major problem in the healthcare system is the problem of counterfeit drugs and drug adulteration. It's been a worldwide issue for decades. Estimated 80% of the counterfeit drugs come from overseas. Uh, and so, so there is this uh, major push to kind of uh, uh, serialize these drugs. So serialization is not just about generating unique serial numbers, but it also requires maintaining those identifications to provide visibility and traceability. So a track and trace within of those drugs within the supply chain. Now, this is kind of a uh, almost a hark back to our previous episode where we talked about uh, blockchain and supply chain. And uh, so so one of the main, uh, big projects in this particular area is uh, something called Tracelink. Uh, Tracelink has uh, been in the space for a while. They've got relationships. Yeah, so they initially were looking at it as creating a cloud platform. And recently they've come out with a couple of uh, pilot projects. One is essentially called the Traceability Workstream. And uh, it uh, tries to, it will leverage uh, their blockchain solution, which they call Trace Histories, uh, to develop a blueprint 
for an open interoperable standard for traceability uh, across product traceability across the drug supply chain right so uh, trace histories is a, a distributed ledger network uh, and uh, allows uh, safe and secure information exchange between authorized partners uh, and uh, it's it's basically purpose built for standardization so it it will allow you to interoperate between blockchains so if you have multiple blockchains or if uh, multiple comp competing blockchains emerge or there is there are companies that don't want to participate in the blockchain they can still use the same kind of uh, standard to make sure that the track and trace is maintained right now uh, one of the things why trace links uh, uh, this particular project is uh, interesting is that because of their uh, uh, because of their uh, uh, pedigree they've, they've been able to include a very wide diverse set of st industry stakeholders including pharmaceutical manufacturers contract manufacturers repackagers wholesale distributors retail pharmacy chains and third-party logistics providers and returns processors right their goal with this project is by 2023 they want to actually uh, bring together these stakeholders and evaluate how uh, how they have uh, how this pilot has come out and then come out with a standard now uh, another product that they built is the products recalls uh, product uh, product recalls workstream uh, it actually creates a digital reco recalls uh, workstream that is intended to evaluate um, and enhance recall verification. So recalls are basically when your drug, when you have a drug, a problematic drug, or if there is a uh, mistake or there is an adulteration in the supply chain, and drug needs to be recalled from the market, right? Uh, it uh, this 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 product recall allows you to digitize that entire process. And current recall processes are largely manual, time-consuming, and they put patient safety at risk. So another uh, interesting company, uh, so moving on from Tracelink, uh, is GuardTime, right? Uh, again, uh, like the previous two companies, GuardTime uh, is... Uh, uh, it's an Estonian company. They are uh, a system integration company and they were working in the cryptography space, right? They've built some products using the blockchain, uh, which uh, have multiple use cases, but they've applied, the focused them on the healthcare industry as well. And they've been working with the Estonian government to implement their solution, but they've also worked with large companies like Lockheed Market and Ericsson. So the main product of uh, GuardTime is this uh, blockchain uh, technology they call KSI, which is Keyless, Keyless Signature Infrastructure. It is uh, a way for them to basically uh, verify the integrity of systems by verifying the data that is sent to them. It uses a math algorithm to sign this data and uh, uh, it, it actually never, they don't actually need to get the actual data itself. They just need to get a hash of the data and uh, they are able to do this at very large speeds and scale. So, uh, so this using this technology, they can actually make sure or showcase 
if data is being tampered with at any point, right? So this is very useful for health records, digital pres prescriptions, access logs, etc. Guard Times HSX creates a trusted data and information ecosystem for patients. So this is actually another product that they've built on top of the original technology, the KSI technology. And it allows them, uh, allows the participants to collaborate and uh, ha uh, subject to consent, see the information they need to provide uh, to, to see about their patient care, right? Or the electronic health record itself, right? Uh, HSX is capable of summarizing and presenting only the necessary information without the need to reveal all the underlying data. So it's a combination of the two where they've uh, taken this particular KSI uh, technology and applied it on a blockchain and uh, applied it specifically for the healthcare use case. Great. So I think uh, with that, we have covered a pretty diverse set of use cases uh, in the healthcare space and how blockchain and you know various projects using this technology are looking to uh, solve some of the pressing problems you know in, in, in the ecosystem. Uh, moving on, Nikhil, do you want to touch upon uh, you know, some of the shortcomings of blockchain as a technology in the space and maybe, you know, practically speaking, what the path forward looks like? Uh, sure, KK. So, uh, the healthcare industry has been uh, suffering from a lot of uh, inefficiencies for a very long time. If you look at it, uh, you know, uh, even among the developed economies, a major portion of the budget goes into healthcare. And uh, not insignificant amount of that is just in uh, inefficiencies in the system. And uh, so, blockchains or any other technologies that can uh, address this concern or address this particular problem is going to be definitely welcome now that having said that healthcare is uh, extremely conservative and extremely privacy conscious uh, domain so i do not expect to see rapid changes or rapid movement uh, in embrace of technology on the healthcare side. I, uh, having, uh, but having said that, I think that uh, the blockchain technology has certain very good use cases where, uh, you know, if inefficiencies can be addressed, uh, some of them more radical than others, uh, some of them like, you know, like the doctor credentialing seem to be low hanging fruit. Uh, the electronic healthcare records may be a little more out there but enable a lot more use cases. There are also some which I'm not really sure would actually be very useful. A classic case is the genomics use case, right? A couple of the startups that we talked about are focused on how you can provide your genetic data on the blockchain, uh, or, uh, either sell it and, or provide it anonymously. But one of the challenges with genomes is not just the uh, amount of genomes itself, it's also the diversity of these genomes, right? So if you look at whole genomes uh, from 23andMe and all of these other places, the, a large portion of those genomes are uh, Caucasian uh, genome, genomic structures. There's not that many 
who are not from a Caucasian background, right? So that basically makes it difficult for people who are uh, for the for the researchers because they cannot uh, ensure that the uh, cures or their uh, uh, your their their research basically would be valid across the population, and they don't know about enough about the human DNA variations to see what what is the influence or cause of any particular gene, right? And another issue is also that the genomic data by itself, right, is useless if it does not come with the the phenotype, right, the traits and conditions that you have. So this is the typically the information that you would find in your EHR or a medical survey, right? So if you're making it anonymous, um, you don't even know the fact that whether this is a Caucasian DNA or if it is a Indian DNA, East Asian DNA or a African DNA, uh, w- what what kind of phenotype, whether it is, uh, where that is coming from, right? So uh, that also reduces to a large extent the usefulness of that genomic data. So in this particular case, then having that data may not be as useful as previously thought. And finally, uh, when you're using a blockchain and reaping the privacy benefits, you need to pay these pay the people participants in cryptocurrency, right? And as an end user or as a consumer of uh, the service, cryptocurrency may be little uh, used to me, right? There would be very limited use cases where I can actually use the cryptocurrency directly. I would need to convert them into dollars, which in turn would mean that I would have to go to some central entity. And if I'm in from a country where this is regulated, then this may not even be possible. So the usefulness of the token uh, would, would be limited right so that's that's uh, a little uh, thing on the on the genomics part of it and uh, uh, yeah finally what i think i think on the whole healthcare is a area where blockchains have a lot of potential i see uh, uh, there are but there are significant regulatory regu- regulatory and privacy implications that need to be addressed. So in the short term, I see basically, uh, you know, solutions like the ProcredX solution or uh, even the uh, guard time, the, uh, you know, in, ensuring integrity of data. Uh, those might be small short term or medium term goals that can actually work. But uh, the goal towards moving for an entire EHR to be recorded uh, on a blockchain or uh, at least uh, managed on a blockchain uh, seems to be a little way away. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. We hope that you found this episode on blockchain and healthcare useful. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and also you can learn more about us on bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.